listening to The Edge, everything bass fishing, coming to you worldwide from MegaWin Kill Guard Studios. Bada bang, bada boom. Here we go, and we got another fantastic episode of Bass Edge Radio, February 1st edition, my man. Looking forward to it, Kurt, and uh, 394, we always talk about that number, uh, goes up every time. The shows keep getting better and better, thanks to you, but also because of our good friends, our partners from day one, MegaWare Keel Guard, all things for your boat, personal watercraft, keel protector, the battery guard, the flex step, the skeg guard, the list goes on and on. All of those things can be found at keelguard.com. Kurt, I think you are at Havasu, is that correct? Yes, I am at Havasu, chilling in the camper and uh, ready to take on MLF Toyota Series West Side. And how are you feeling? <laughs> Man, I'm excited about it, dude. I'm, All right, I'm I can tell. About, I can tell. I'm excited about being, you know, close to the West Coast and and uh, feeling that it's just a different feeling when you get out here. You know what I mean? It's it's one of those things that you can't really touch, but you can feel so man i'm excited there's all kinds of tournaments going on aaron i mean it's like the kickoff we you know there's been some bfls and some winter series events you know locally obviously all around the country but really kicking off this triple a and uh pro events this month man we've got the uh the havasu event here in arizona feb two through four down at the harris chain kicking off today is the Toyota Series, uh, Feb 1 through 3. And then just a week later, you've got the MLF Invitationals rocking it down at Lake Okeechobee, February 8 through 10. So, dude, it's just like we turned the corner from Christmas and New Year's, and all of a sudden, 30 days later, it is springtime. Get on the water. Fish are fat, pre-spawn, ready to rock and roll. So uh, excited to get this bass fishing season started from a tournament aspect. No doubt, no doubt. And a lot of stuff uh, certainly in, in kind of the Midwest region is getting ready to uh, towards more the middle end of this month. We'll be rocking and rolling uh, yeah. there as well. But like you said, after the first of the year, it's kind of like sit down, you know, attach your kill switch and we're off to the races. Yeah, we've talked about this before, how how really bass fishing has become a little bit seasonal from the tournament perspective compared to years back where it's set you know, pretty much January through September. Then we get that lull, you know, October, November, December. And then, uh, dude, right when the year turns every time, it's like, oh, my God, here we are. We got to go catch some bass, knock the rust off. And, uh, man, just excited to uh, obviously expose some more fishing techniques right here on the program. Aaron, today we're doing something different than we've ever done before. We haven't had Takahiro on before. So this is, this is going to be the first time we have – uh, a Japanese angler on the program really diving into some of those new unexposed techniques. You hear little snippets about them, but maybe don't really understand them. We're going to try to understand more of those here in this episode. But also, have you heard the buzz about the showcase segment? I have. I have. Uh, the showcase segment. The dude. showcase segment. That, that's, that takes me back, you know, of the day for – of the, and I'm really dating myself now. Bob Barker, the price is right. You know, it's kind of like you going to the VFW and playing bingo. <laughs> oh, 
absolutely. So we're taking it back, man. I love the name of this segment. We, we it just kind of came up, you know, last month. So y'all stay tuned. We're going to roll right into the showcase segment, always showcasing something new, something you should be aware of that's taking place in the bass fishing community. But we'll be right back with that segment right after this message. Stay tuned. More Bass Edge Radio. Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. The Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Live Well, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. And we've discussed here on Bass Edge many times about youth fishing. Of course, my camp down here at Lake Amistad and up in New York at Oneida. And man, it is time to bring to the masses another opportunity for youth anglers to get involved in a great program, especially right there in the home state of Bass Edge. So specifically down near Table Rock and Bull Shoals Lake, former BASS elite anglers Chad Morgan Taylor and Brian Snowden developed the Future Cast academy that's what we're going to talk about today man it's a great two-day program for youth anglers and maybe even adult anglers to hone their skills with a unique on the water instructional opportunity chad's on the line here to tell us about it chad great to have you back on bass edge oh thanks for having me it's always a pleasure you know to be able to sit here and talk with you guys and talk about fishing it doesn't get any better than that well, certainly, Chad, uh, appreciate you carving out time. And, you know, like Kurt mentioned, I mean, both you and Brian Snowden are long-term, and, and even, you know, Dave Mansu are long-time friends of the Bass Edge, the program, but have been able to peruse your website, and, and very exciting. Looks like kind of the Future Cast Academy is, is just now kicking off here in 2023, like Kurt said, on some of my favorite lakes and, and certainly favorite state. But what were kind of the needs that you saw and really getting into with the fishing community that led to the development, you know, of this program here in Missouri? Well, I knew from working with the high school fishing teams from years ago and far years, you know, that I was directly exposed to what was involved with youth anglers. Now, I never uh, really expected it to excel at that time to the point that it is now. And, um, you know, where we have college scholarships and so many high school, there isn't hardly a high school. If they don't have a fishing team, they're trying to form one. And I get it. So the popularity has just expanded in this sport to the point where I, I didn't know it was going to go quite that deep or quite that far, which is a fantastic thing. But whenever I recognized that, and then obviously I was on the tail end of my career, Brian retired a year ahead of me. And then, uh, of course, this in 2022, you know, I decided it's time for me to turn the page. I just wanted to, uh, Whenever I look back at that, and, and I've been guiding for several years here as well when I did have time, when I, when I wasn't on the road traveling with the Elite Series, I just noticed the need for skill development, the need for exposure to all of the different aspects of the sport, 
as far as uh, well as you guys know, you guys fish. I mean, from the basics to the advanced. And um, I really wanted to share the skills that I've learned over 20 years at the highest level of the sport and the experiences that I've learned of, you know, how to adjust, how to catch fish, the different things that I've seen, um, just like most anglers that have fished long term have, while I still am able to do it. So that's whenever me and Brian and Dave and Billy got together and we said, you know what, there's a huge need here for skill development program. Let's let's try to come up with a great idea that incorporates some classroom time, classroom instructional stuff with some on the water application. And, you know, one thing kind of just led to another and we beat around the bush for a while for about a year, year and a half, uh, putting it together and behold, Future Cast Academy hmm. is about to put its feet on the ground and start running. Doors, the doors are open. So, well, this is great, Chad, man. Uh, let, let me ask you this. You know, you obviously you've been guiding there in your home state of Missouri for maybe not your home state, but you're adopted. <laughs> it's your adopted state. Right, of right, Missouri. right, right. Uh, but uh, you've been guiding there for a while. And uh, obviously you got a lot of great fisheries there with tons of bass to catch. And you're able to see these folks on the water. You, you see this uh, process that, that's needed for, for these younger anglers. And like you mentioned, Missouri is also a wonderful state with tons of colleges that have fishing programs as well. So the stepping stone is there, not just from a, a high school angler you know, development process, but also that college angler development process. What are some of the most common mistakes that you're seeing today? in young anglers and how do you believe this it looks like a two-day program eight hours a day along with on the water fishing fun can progress these anglers to the next level yeah so it's the unknown that's probably what i identified as being the biggest obstacle that they have to overcome and you know if they don't have someone to help fast track them or to share that experience or to consult with whether it be virtually or in the classroom, and obviously, as you know, best case scenario, on the water. Um, when these anglers come to us, and you, again, I kind of refer to it on guide trips and, and in the high school programs and things mm -hmm. of that nature, um, one of the biggest obstacles that they have to overcome is they don't have the opportunity to spend, you know, 12 hours a day, five, six days a week on the water. Right. And that's that's what's the, and and so they don't learn those gut instincts. They don't get to relate. They don't they don't have the ability quite yet. It hasn't developed that why that bite occurred, where it occurred, and put all of those things together. They're still struggling to try to figure out what the difference that rock on the bottom feels like versus a very subtle bite on a football jig. Right. And that just comes with time, you know. It's um. It, it's a matter of being able to, and there, and you know, Kurt and Aaron, and there's, there's so many things that you can do, just tweaks or equipment selection that will help you progress past that immediately. But if somebody doesn't expose you to that, you know, and then take you out and show you hands on and let you feel it and, 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 and explain it in detail, it's very difficult to be able to say, oh, yeah, that worked for me or that doesn't work for me. You know, we have all developed our little areas of expertise along the way over the years. I've worked with so many people that don't necessarily know how to cast with a bait casting rod and reel. I finally had to come up with a way of what's this most simple way 
to teach someone how to cast a bait casting rod and reel. And I've come up with a method and a swing and a cast that helps them get started. And then they progress on through that. It's things of that nature that I feel like need to be experienced. You can educate yourself to a certain point on the internet, with social media, with YouTube, but you have to apply. And it's no different than school. At some point, somebody has to put hands on and actually teach you. You're going to have to apply it physically. And that's where Future Cast Academy separates itself from most places. It's we're going to teach you half of the day in the classroom, and then you're going to apply what you just learned, and you're going to do it immediately. That's good that's- stuff, Chad. I mean, you know, and, and I want to take that, I guess, a step further because any sport, right, it has various positions, if you will. And eventually you kind of need to become a little bit specialized, perhaps, in not only just in the sport, but also with certain techniques. I know in the development of both you and Kurt know that, you know, Maya, my my teenage daughter, I mean, she went on to be a competitive tennis player, but the hours that were spent and then just honing, right, skill after skill after skill um, and putting hours of practice in. So speak to us a little bit about, you know, for somebody that perhaps already has the fundamentals if you will, what can they expect to come to future cast with you and Brian and, and Dave and say, okay, I need, I'm not very good at this, or I'm not very good at that. Does that suit you guys well to be able to kind of help them take to a specialization, if you will? Yeah, to a certain point. So what our format is going to include, as soon as the students come to the class, the very first morning, they'll spend the first hour or two being vetted. We're going to find out where they're at mechanically and mentally and and with experience and we're going to place them into two groups and then that way we aren't holding anybody back or we aren't pushing anybody past the point of fundamentals um so that's one one thing we felt was very critical in our format um so what they can expect is they can expect to learn techniques and seasonal patterns that they have not been exposed to or that they need to get better at. They will, they can expect to increase their knowledge on fish movement and all aspects and areas that has to do with that. If they're already very far advanced in their fundamentals and their skills and they can handle the equipment very well, they're going to get a higher education, if you will. But at the same time, we want to give the same amount of attention to the people who need to develop the fundamentals and to, and to bring them up to speed. That's why we have designed this. So it's the same time frame for all, but it technically will be two classes for the most part once they're vetted. And then we get a better understanding of who our students' clientele is and what their needs are from based on our experiences that all of us have acquired over all of these years. I mean, it's funny. I'm probably the same as everything. You know, when I first learned how to, Kurt, you know, swing a big weight down in Florida, okay, and punch mats. Right. I thought I was good at it after three or four years of doing it. And then I went with somebody who really was good at it. And I understood (laughs) that I wasn't very good at it. You know, I mean, you go with Glenn Brown, Terry Scroggins, all those guys down there. When you put yourself, it's, I guess it's kind of like golfing. You always want to golf with someone that's better than you, um, you know, or that has more experience. And you're going to learn more. It's just like what you, your daughter in tennis. I'm sure she did not play opponents that had skill sets that were constantly less than her. How do you get better whenever you do that? You don't. You don't get better by sitting on the couch, watching it all on television. And you don't get better by 
just being in a classroom either and somebody sitting there and telling you this is going to work this is going to work go show me yeah i know it's a little bit long-winded answer there aaron i apologize for that but there's where we are yeah those are all great points chad really you know kind of sets the tone not only for understanding what youth anglers need to develop but also as professionals we're always developing always becoming uh more in tune with with our skills and uh that's never going to stop if it stops then we've all got issues (laughs) so well you know it evolves Yes. Yeah, yeah, it constantly, constantly. evolves. Electronics, forward-facing sonar. There's some portion or several portions at one point with the way that we advance with technology, techniques, and equipment that is constantly moving forward at a speed that is difficult to keep up with even when you do it full-time. Right. Just a fact. Well, Chad, uh, you know, one last thing before we go, I think it's really important to bring up, you know, the coaching aspect, obviously, of this Future Cast Academy, uh, things that, that you're doing there in Missouri, specifically down there around Table Rock, Bull Shoals area. You know, the parents of these youth anglers, a lot of times that when we all grew up, Aaron, me, Chad, <laughs> you know, it was like we had a an, typically we had an uncle or father, a, a cousin, you know, grandfather, somebody that took us out fishing. These days, a lot of youth anglers see this in my camp all the time that are just getting involved based on social media. You know, they're looking for an outlet. They know they like the outdoors and they find bass fishing and their parents don't know much of anything about bass fishing or many of their family members. So this is a great outlet for that. And, and Chad, I really like what you said earlier about putting youth anglers on a fast track of development from their skills assessment, you know, in this program that y'all have. How important is it for us and how does FutureCast kind of maybe get involved with the parents and let them understand what the importance is? Obviously, you can see it in basketball or tennis or baseball, this coaching process, but maybe they don't understand that fishing process because of the, you know, perceived luck factor or, you know, sitting on a log with a bobber and those kinds of things. How do we get involved and, and how does FutureCast jump to that next level to let the parents understand what the development process is for their youth anglers to be successful with this new uh, sport that they're youth are becoming involved in that's a great question and i get this a lot and it's all over the board as as you probably know kurt you know i get approached by parents all the time i went to the bass high school combine indicator alabama this year and i got bombarded by students and guardians as soon as i told them about futurecast and i shared my life experiences with them and and how how things were for me whenever i grew up and got into the sport they they were very intrigued and but the common denominator here was we want to support and help but we don't know anything about it that's okay so what Actually, it's kind of funny. We're trying at FutureCast Academy to be diverse. That's why it's for anglers of all ages. Uh, actually, this weekend, we're holding a high school bass fishing boat captains class just to just to the introduction into the sport to let them know what they're getting themselves into, whether it be a parent or just somebody that wants to help. So we're trying to, to offer diverse programs to educate that. The good part is, is that it, it appears that the, the parents really want to help the kids. So they send, you know, like you said, you've got a great camp. It's a little different format, but it's a, it's a great experience for the, the kids. 
uh, Future Cast Academy here at Table Rock, we wanted to do a multi-day weekend adventure so that the parents could be involved too. It's kind of a family destination spot. And if, you know, if one of the parents or guardians wanted to sit in to see what it's all about or to learn, we're not opposed to that. If their kid is one of the students, they can talk with us. We also offer virtual coaching. We felt like that that was hugely important. Nice. You can't just spend two to four days with someone and then say, you're on your own, good, good you know, and, and never. <laughs> yeah, good luck. I mean, that's like turning you loose with a $100,000 bass boat, which is the case in a lot of situations that go, yeah, I wish you the best. It's going to go really fast. Yeah, it's yeah. also going to go really bad probably. So with all that being said, we wanted to offer opportunities where the parents, the student, they could work together. We're actually looking at offering, you know, the parent-child classes so that, hey, if you fish with mom, if you fish with dad, it's cool. Come to the class. Let's, let's teach it. And we've been approached by that. But it's really important that the parents are supportive, that they're involved. You know, we got enough problems in this world the way that it is. So this is one of the things that can really bring the family together. You can spend time together. There's usually not a whole lot of bad that's involved with it, and it's a lot of fun um, as long as, as you kind of got somebody to help guide you. And you got to start learning sometime, but I applaud the parents that are supporting their students, the dreams, or the parents themselves just want to understand it, become better anglers, and and, and spend more time. And so that. That in itself is a, is a lot of times what what we recognize going forward with Future Cast Academy and just the sport in general. That's the, what I really enjoy about this sport. Is yeah, no, that's fantastic, Chad. Here. I mean, you know, Future Cast. It sounds like it's totally customizable based upon what perhaps the student of all ages needs, and then certainly just with the, the you know the safety issue with boat captains, but also camaraderie, building that bond, uh, you know, between the student and their guardian. Um, that's Quite honestly, I think that's what the outdoors is about. So quickly, will you tell us and tell the listeners where uh, that everyone can catch up on you and Brian and Dave concerning FutureCast? Oh, yeah. So futurecastacademy.com. You can go to the website. We're going to try to keep uh, materials up to date posted there. We have social media, Facebook and Instagram. Obviously, it's FutureCast Academy. And then you can, you know, if anybody's interested, you know, you can submit forms through all of that, whether it be direct messaging or a submission form on the website, or you can go to any of our personal websites or social media. I mean, me, Brian, Dave, Billy, we're all on social media. Mine's either Chad Morgan Taylor or Cece Morgan Taylor, you know, and then you got Brian Snowden. Any of those ways that you wanted to uh, keep track of us keep track of the dates and the classes we have all of the if you're interested in a future cast economy class we do have them all set for 2023 now we'll start in march and the website's undergoing some updates it's still live right now but it's going to change probably this week we've reformatted it but and starting the enrollment process but uh I'd love to see anyone who's interested get a hold of us. If you got any questions, we'll be happy to answer them. And again, you know, Kurt, between your class that you put on um, the Pro Bass Camp down there in Del Rio and in New York, and you know, this there's a tremendous amount of hands-on opportunity for anglers. I, I would suggest you look at all options. It's not just one. I kind of hit on it earlier. I don't feel like there's any way that you can bypass spending time on the water. 
that is one of the most massive teaching tools in this sport that you could possibly put your hands on, in my opinion. Man, it's been a great discussion. Thank you so much for sharing Future Cast Academy. Y'all stay tuned. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be back with the Feature Angler Spotlight. I'm MLS BPT Pro Jeremy Lawyer. This is MLS BPT Pro Spencer Sheffield. This is BASS Elite Series Angler Alex Weatherell. This is MLF Pro Circuit Angler Pete Pons. I am BASS Elite Angler Keith Combs. Stay right here for more Bass Edge. Know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat, MegaWare Keel Guard? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. Well, Aaron, as I preluded in the intro and rolling into this featured angler spotlight, we have a global show today. We've got a Japanese BASS Elite Series Pro on the show, and we're going to break down some new and maybe misunderstood techniques that are successful here in the United States and have basically come across the Pacific Ocean. So we super appreciate Kenta being with us today. Mr. Kenta Kamura, excellent to have you here on Bass Edge Radio. Hey, how you doing? Great. It's good to have you, Kenta. And, and you know, congratulations yeah. on really what I would say living the dream. Um, you know, that's, that's how so many of us look at that that's kind of in the sport. But I, I just want to point out it's difficult for elite series U.S. anglers to achieve that top success, but I can't imagine the road that you have literally traveled to become BASS elite angler. Can you just go into a little bit of detail of how long you've been kind of living in the U.S. fishing tournaments and what was your path to the elite series like? Okay, yeah. In the first year I came over here was about 20 years ago. I was 20 years old and I, now I'm 40, so been chasing this dream for 20 years and i started with the uh, calling side back in 2005 so it's just like everybody went through the process you know when you first came to the united states kenta what area of the country did you move to uh, i didn't move at all i just you know got an airplane ticket to where the tournament is going to which i was fishing the the uh, FAW tour as calling side back then and you know just trying to find some uh, the uh, flame to fish with in the practice. And so did you have like a uh, kind of a sponsor or a mentor or a person that said, hey, you know what, come on over here. You can live with us, shack up with us or... Uh, yeah, finally got to find the, the, one of the friends I've been to practice with and uh, I'm still with them. Okay, and, and who who was that and where do you base out of now? It is the the, uh, the Tommy Hussell, the guy used for fishing the episode of a tour as a boat. Oh, yeah. And he's living in uh, Oklahoma right now, so that's why I'm keeping my boat and truck, and uh, I got a storage building in Oklahoma. 
Oh, that's awesome. Toby Hartzell is a great angler there on Grand Lake in Oklahoma. Yeah, I remember so, Toby from uh-huh. uh, the Central Pro-Am days way back in the day and uh, used to be in the oh, logging, yeah, yeah. In, into the logging business. Yeah, so back then I didn't speak none of the English, so I just – oh, I knew how to ask him to take me fishing just could just take me out at the boat ramp and – we're dealing with everything, yeah. That's awesome. So, so you established a relationship and a friendship with Toby Hartzell there in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and then basically just came over here like similarly like every U.S. angler does, and and you started to learn the lakes by fishing on the co-angler side in the FLW tour. And when did you start fishing on the boater side in these events? I kind of was like 2010 or 2011 or somewhere somewhere like that, and it took me like six, seven years to make it a qualification for the elite suite. So, I mean, all the fishing ways are completely different, kind of like the guy from California. You know, all the bait is different and all the fishing ways are different. So I had to learn what the shad spawn is or what the, the power fishing really is. So the fishing, I had to change a lot. That's interesting. So generally speaking, you began as a as a finesse angler, which is kind of typical for most Japanese anglers fishing a lot of finesse techniques. Is that correct? Um, here's, a, here's a point. I'm from Lake Biwa. Do you know what – have you heard about it? Yes, of course. The world okay. record yeah, bass Biwa. is from Lake Biwa. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so we – I mean like uh, the people think we all finesse fishermen, but like what's the biggest – different in doing like Taku Eco and uh, I am. We're from different part of the country. So he's grown up in, in the little canal and Elizabeth and I grew up in Lake Biwa. We are fishing completely different than the home. Very interesting. So I'm more like a hydro little fisherman and big swan bait and kind of like that because I grew up in Lake Biwa. Awesome. So it's very similar to different geographic areas in Japan, basically develop different types of anglers, similarly here in the United mm-hmm. States. Whereas if you have somebody that lives in the Great Lakes, like Lake Erie or Lake Ontario, they target mm-hmm. smallmouth and become more finesse oriented. Whereas if you're at Grand Lake or maybe Lake Gundersville, you grow up as more of a power fisherman. Yes, that's correct. Because, you know, when we used to have more hydroid than the little than anyone in the world in the Lake Biwa. So we didn't really didn't have the opportunity to learn about a finesse at the just the Lake Biwa. But I've been fishing all over the country, so just just learn about a whole different technique like the finesse side too. That's cool. So one thing that we want to discuss today is is some of those okay. techniques that are coming from Japan. And um, mm-hmm. I remember last year at Lake Oneida and a couple other tournaments. You've had some really good success utilizing a technique of fishing with what I call is a gravity bait or a soft plastic bait that's very heavy. Can you tell us about Mm -hmm. this gravity bait and and heavy soft plastic bait fishing technique and how it became to be so popular in Japan and how you're using it here in the United States? Okay, sure. I mean, I think the uh, number one popular bait over in Japan right now is a cover skat made by depth. And that kind of bait is, is used to be just for shallow fishing, like people prepping to the reeds or the shallow cover. But one of my friends guiding at Lake Beaver figured out he can catch them on this technique in the, even a the 40-foot water. Like, wow. you know, we had a lot of rocky area and brush pile and rock piles in Lake Beaver. And 
you know, when we were guiding, I mean, we used to throw a jig or a drop shot, and move, but we hung it up every, every cast with that kind of technique. <laughs> you know, you got to wait on them, but with a cover scat, you can get through it, and you can get more bite than anything else. So, I, I mean, nobody ever thought about doing a fishing that slow because it takes about 30, 40 minutes in each cast. You talk about 40 foot water, but the guy figured that, figured that out. I mean, he caught pretty much every single fish we had in the Lake Beavis. And his other thing, he got two customers in the back of a boat. Uh-huh. You are showing a drop shot or a jig. You, I mean, somebody's ha- hanging up or every cast, you know what I mean? Right. But with a, with a cover scat or that kind of technique, you don't hang it up at all. And another so that, lure, that, you, you actually developed a lure for Berkeley, Japan that is kind of similar. It, it's a gravity bait. Can you tell us about that bait that you've utilized here in the United States? Okay, sure. That That is the, uh, I think I actually designed it for a little bit of a different purpose. The okay. bug bait is uh, the, also the big popular over in Japan, but the majority of the bug bait is about the inch and a half or two inches. I'm a little tiny. Okay. And uh, like I said, I'm I'm not the definite fisherman, so I figured I might <laughs> have to design my own with a little bigger weight and, a, you know, heavier and a bigger profile. And so simply how- that's what I did. And uh, I mean, you can use that with kind of like a casket, but with my opinion, the smallmouth likes more like a leg. Okay. So like the bug bait. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I added a little bit of parts for it. So what is the ingredients of these baits? Like what is the material that they're made of to make them so heavy that you're able to fish them without weight? I mean, uh, people think we got a lot tons of the salt to make it a heavier, but I, it it actually not. You know, it only has like a five percent to the fifty percent salt. It's not much compared to the Yamamoto material. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it heavy because of the uh, material wise, they're like more. They has more meat. That's it. But you don't want to let it go down too fast because if you do it, you're gonna hang it up just like you do with drop shot. You actually don't want to make it too heavy and not too light. Just a just it has to be a perfect weight wise. And what is that and, perfect uh, rate of fall? Like how many feet per second will these baits fall through the water column? It's a really hard to explain how fast it is, but okay. it, I'm sure it's a slower than Yamamoto Senko. That's for sure. But what the whole key for me is you got to use 20 pound test or at least 16 pound test floral. I mean, people don't realize about it. You do that with like 12 pound test or 14 pound test. It doesn't work like what we do because the line is extra weight for it. I see. So do you throw these lures with a bait caster or spinning rod with that heavy line? Absolutely. Bait caster with a straight floral. Okay. That makes sense. And you yeah, mentioned so like... Like people don't realize how heavy the full carbon line is, the especially like twenty pound test. It's it's almost like a fly fishing with a heavy lead line. Okay. You know what I'm talking about. You yes, just gotta yes. have the weight on the line. So you do that with the bladed line, it doesn't work at all either. You gotta have the heavier the full carbon. So I, I would say yeah, twenty five pound test is still good with it. Oh you wow. have the enough capacity on your line. So that like people, most of people just go with like 12 pound test or less for the smallmouth fishing. But I, 
in the back in the Oneida, I was using 16 pound desk and 20. Wow. Because I wanted an extra weight on it. Okay. So when you throw the lure, the, these gra- I call them gravity baits. And the reason I call them gravity baits is because gravity is basically what makes them fall to the bottom of the lake, right? But mm-hmm. yeah. you're using no weight. Just using, mm-hmm. it sounds like the weight from the fluorocarbon line helps the bait mm-hmm. sink slowly also. So when, yep. after you cast the lure, you make a long mm-hmm. cast, how do mm-hmm. you work the bait? to be effective? Like what's the technique with your rod and how do you stay in contact with the bait as you're trying to catch the fish? Okay. I'll be honest with you. That is the bonus fishing in the, of the bass fishing. I promise you it takes like 20 minutes in the first fall. Wow. Or, you know, sometimes, I mean, just depends how deep you are, but like in Oneida, I was fishing, targeting around between a 17 to 25 foot. So it took me about, probably said, at least 10 minutes to hit the bottom. But what I figured, I can just drift it around and, you know, let it drag it with the wind. So in the first cast, I'm, I'm make, I was making the longest cast I can and uh, hit the ultra X okay. just to let it hit the bottom. Okay. And as soon as I start feeling the bottom, least of my ultra X and let it drag it. So usually it took me about probably 20 to 30 minutes each cast, but I was catching fish almost every cast or either every two casts. Wow. So that, that's how. And so I, I, I can promise you I had more less casts than anybody in a competition <laughs> to go to the coin. <laughs> right. So do but you, you find can catch them fish in every 20 minutes? That's quicker than more than what you need, you know? Yes, very very consistent. Do you find mm-hmm. that this technique also works well with largemouth bass? I do actually. I, I, honestly, I didn't want to say too much about it, but I had a pretty good tournament in the last year at the Grand Lake in the fall, and I caught a majority of the fish on the wobble head with the swimming. But I actually caught the, one of my biggest fish on that thing, flipping boat dock. Nice. So when you're flipping the boat docks, it's kind of the same technique. Mm-hmm. It takes a long time for it to fall mm-hmm. to the, to the yeah, bottom. I, I had to expect a pop hole or either ultra to let it feel bottom even five foot water. That's but, very cool. you know, you've you, you been in Grand Lake, like especially like around takeoff area, you see they're like 20 boat ahead of you. Yes. So you got to do something different than the other. Yes. And especially that fish is beat them up and the, sometimes it's a, you know, release fish. Right. So you got to do some different to catch them all. So that's how I, how I catch my biggest fish out in the tournament. So my last question before we go to break is okay. we're going to take a commercial break here in a minute. But but my last sure. question is how do you detect the strike? You're using heavy fluorocarbon line, so it's sometimes mm-hmm. a little bit more difficult to detect the strike rather than you know smaller pound test. Mm-hmm. And you're using a weightless bait. So do you actually feel the bite or is it generally you just feel the pressure of the fish swimming with the lure? I mean, as soon as you feel something, all I do is just pull the line a little bit and make sure it hits fish or rock. That's it. I mean, it's a pretty pretty simple and easy. And once they eat it, that thing, they don't let it go. They will eat it. So you can just take your time and get all the slag out and hook it how does you can. Very cool. And this has been a very enlightening topic. 
and and thank you so much. Please stay with us. We're going to pause for a quick break. We're going to power pull down, but we are talking about a new era of fishing techniques right here on Bass Edge Radio with BASS Elite Series angler Kenta Kimura. Hang tight. We'll be back in just a moment. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge presented in part by Bass Pro Shops, returning with BASS Elite Series Angler Kenta Kimura in this episode's featured Angler Spotlight. Remember, Bass Pro Shops, we all live downstream. Kenta, we are beginning yep. to hear a lot about the free rig, a free rig, yep. a, a uh, you know, a new technique that is that is starting to take hold here in the United States. Again, another technique that has been become popular in Japan. And why do you feel like the free rig is an effective presentation? Okay, the, the first thing I got to say about the free rig, that is originally the technique is coming from Korea. Okay, one of my buddies went to Korea for bass fishing. Okay. And he showed a lot of the show fishermen had that style rig. And he was kind of curious what how they you know, how they do it and why they do it. And he brought it back to Japan and tried it. That's how I start with it. Okay. And with my opinion, I mean, I do a little bit of free rig, but I'm not a big, big fan of that. But, you know, compared to Carolina rig, I still can do it. So it's it's almost like kind of halfway between the, the uh, Texas rig, just a bullet work Texas rig, and the Carolina rig is my opinion. So the time I use the uh, free rig is like... Uh, when the fish is kind of suspending halfway and you don't know how to get them by and stuff like that. So I use that a lot in the post-spawn situation. Post-spawn. Okay. Do you Mm -hmm. feel like the free rig is better in current or away from current? I feel like because it's kind of similar to a Carolina rig, but as you mentioned, it's it's between Carolina rig and Texas rig that Mm – Maybe some current helps the lure free away from the weight so it looks more natural. Or do you find you can do this also in a lake environment as well or a non-current? I mean, we, yeah, we do that both, actually. It's almost like calendar. You can do that in a, just in a pond or not, the place does not have current, too. So you can do the both way. And the good thing about the free leg is you don't – you can – still catch that bait to the cover. Not like Carolina League, you know, you, you get hung up every cast it hits a heavy stick cover, but you can do that with a free leg. Gotcha. And uh, here's the whole whole key for myself is the bait makes a big difference for the free leg. Like if you got the too much the uh, parts on the, the soft plastics, like, uh, you know, the big creature bait has the, so much action that bait does not work as well like the way I want it because uh, it catches too much air to when you cast. Okay. So you actually want some less, a little bit less action than what they, you know, what they do with Carolina rig is what I figure. So I usually, I mean, one of my the favorite baits for it is the Death Bullfrat. You know what the Bullfrat looks like? 
The bullfrog. Oh, from depths. And the bullfrog. It's like uh, just almost looks like a turtle looking like a flat flat on the one side and kind of bend a little bit on the other side. It's, okay. it's like a perfect vibrate. And what know, company makes down. that lure? It's a depth. Depths. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I, yeah, I caught a lot on in the Lake Folk last year in the tournament. It was really rig. I kind of know it's a Carolina rig type situation, but like I said, I I hate the Carolina rig like a lot of the guys. <laughs> right. So I just yeah, I just rig it up with really you know, Yeah, they're still biting on that way. Yeah, interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, could you take another uh, kind of technique for me, a Japanese technique specifically, uh, that's really mm-hmm. I think making some headway in the states and many call it I. I I, I think it's called mid strolling. You know, what situation would you utilize this in? Okay, the mid. I mean, like, like Dice, you remember about Daisuke? Yes. He made a cut of the Chikamaru uh, on yes. that that technique. I'm not sure how heavy weight he was using, but I'm sure he had a little, pretty light weight, like 116 or maybe 362 or something like that. And uh, a lot of guys use it like really lightweight like back in home in Elizabeth people even use like three I mean one thirty second or some guy using was out of weight with just a jig hook by itself interesting so, I'm starting yeah, to some, see I'm starting to see some hook companies make hooks mm-hmm. just for this this particular technique mm-hmm. yeah, yeah that, that's why a lot of guys use I mean they still add like uh, 164 nail weights for this just for the Make it a, make it a swimming straight, but a lot of times they're using really lightweight. I mean, the the Elizabeth, like uh, some part of the like in Japan, them fish is completely suspending, like uh, like they're suspending like ten foot of the sixty foot water or something like that. So, but they don't hit it; they hit the jackbait. That's kind of time they try to make it as slow as possible, but still keep them moving. So this works really well, I would assume, when you're using your forward-facing sonar. Is that correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I was surprised how many elite guy was doing the same way at the Hot Whale last year. Mm-hmm. Like, even Jason Christie was doing the same way. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be the pretty big technique over, over here. But what I figured, like, I, I'm not the slow snare, snare fisherman like other Japanese right. guys. So I, right. what I figured the way I do is I'm majority of the time I'm using like quarter to three eighths, just try to react it. I mean, they, like especially in the later time of the year, they don't want it to hit it. They hit it too slow. So I think weight wise, it makes a big difference. Sometimes if you're if you're not good at like one sixteen ounce weight, you can still go with quarter ounce. Very good information. This is this has been very exciting to talk to you, Kento. What is your favorite way to fish? We're talking about a lot of these finesse and and uh, techniques that have been brought over to the United States from Japan. What mm-hmm. what is your favorite thing that you brought from Japan that you grew up fishing that you are successful with here in the United States? To me, it's it is a topple and the, the big swim bait. I see. You know, like there is a. There's tackles on the list series and the couple other real good, I mean, one of the best finesse fishermen in Japan is fishing the same deal. So I still have to compete with that guy. <laughs> right. And uh, yeah, I kind of tried to figure out my own deal. It, it is going to be the more like a mixed one bait or either the top order. 
Very good. Very good. We we have somebody that sent in a question to the show, and we'd like you to sure. get you to answer it. This gentleman's name's Greg Adams, and, and he's from East Texas, like over around Lake okay. Fork and Sam Rayburn and, and Toledo mm-hmm. Bend area. And Greg says that he generally fishes power fishing techniques on the grass lakes, but sometimes he, he's not getting very many bites. So he is trying to learn more to use some finesse presentations. What finesse presentations do you find work best in grass, like heavy vegetation scenarios? Well, honestly, I'm, the, I'm with the same type of person as that whoever asked this question. <laughs> right. And, you know, I'm, I'm keep doing it the power fishing. If I don't get them, I'm just changing the whole Move spots. You know, pattern. Right. <laughs> yeah, move a spot and a whole pattern. That's why it is in the grass because I've tried it several different ways in this, in Lake Biwa when it gets tougher and, you know, can't really get a bite. A lot of time, you don't have to change it bait-wise on that part. Like, if it's a tougher, I usually go to the heavier way to punch through it, trying to react it. But with the finesse side, it never had a good success with it. So, you might have to move it out, move, try to stay away from the grass and get hit the brush by or whatever in the offshore and then try some finesse or either big swim bait or some, something like that. And the way I caught them in the some raven last fall in the Bassmaster Open, I had the, uh, you know, the Masayuki won a couple of years ago at the some raven with a big Sakamata shot. Yes. And yes. I did the same thing and I caught them all. I mean, it's a still kind of like a kind of like a cover scat type deal. You have to take it at twenty minutes each cast. Mm-hmm. But the bigger profile. Yeah. Catch, so what catch. I wanted to say that what I want to say that finesse is not the necessarily the smaller bait. You can go with a bigger profile, but still go down slower. Great. Very Great. interesting. That's uh. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, I like I had a twenty-five pound test on it, my rod and. Was no way to suck a matter shad. That's how I caught the my biggest one in the tournament, like eight and a half to nine pounder on it. Man, that's great. I like how you break down and and explain, you know, Kenta, that that it's not necessarily, you know. I think a lot of times as anglers, we yeah. we get this uh, judgment, I guess, or idea in our mind that mm-hmm. finesse means you know tiny or small, um, but right. really it could it could very well easily translate. And, and you've got the proof, a nine-pounder to show it, that uh, a lot of times it has to do with rate of fall or the maybe the speed of the presentation, right? You know, um, so very good. Answer. Yeah, and we are competing with people, you know, and uh, every single fish in East Texas have seen a bait or <laughs> yes. they've seen a bait every every hours. So they know what we're doing. If you're doing the same, same approach, you know, like you hear flipping Texas rig, everybody else is doing. But if you talk about offshore stuff, there's not too many options for other guys. You know, majority of guys sound like Texas rig warm or either Carolina rigging or deep crankbait. That's it. There is yeah. so many options in doing. And that's kind of what I think that's kind of way you got to be about. But like I said, it's a finesse technique. But it, the, my fishing pole and the, my my line and my bait is not that finesse. Just approaching wise is what the finesse about. Uh, excellent stuff. I appreciate you uh, 
taking on the Nitro Performance Bass Boats listener question today. And Greg, um, we need one more thing for you, from you, I should say, and that is to simply click on the Claim Your Prize tab and let us know that you heard Kenta answer your question right here on episode 393. Again, as always, Bass Edge listeners, keep firing in those questions to our website. Simply click the Ask the Pros tab. If your question is chosen, we're going to send you a gift right here from Bass Edge Radio. You can also look through our social media, and we're going to have some posts out there that you can simply comment on to uh, you know, let us know what your questions are, and we'll try to get them all right here on Bass Edge Radio. Well, Kenta, certainly appreciate you carving time out of yeah. your your fishing schedule to be on Bass Edge with us. Anything that you would like to share with Bass Edge before we close down the episode? Well, I, I think I'm speaking pretty much too much about it. <laughs> you, you're <laughs> letting out all your secrets. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But yeah, it just you're welcome to ask me anytime. Well, Kenta, it's been awesome to have you on today's show. We would love to have you back in a future episode. We'll continue watching how well you do on the Elite Series and in the Bassmaster Opens and have a great 2023 tournament season. Thank you. Yeah, I need one more good year like that. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. We'll, we'll, we'll be pulling for you and rooting you along. So uh, we're, we're fans of Kenta Kimura for sure here at Bass Edge. Everyone, don't move a muscle. Aaron and I are going to be right back with some final thoughts of today's interviews. Bass Edge Radio. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat? MegaWare KeelGuard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat. Guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. The PowerPole Charge Marine Power Management Station is the most advanced system of its kind available on the market. It does the work of three devices, a traditional battery charger, a charge on the run, and an emergency start system all in one compact unit. The charge lets you run your boat's accessories the way you want to run them by allowing you to monitor and control your power usage through the PowerPole app. It automatically devotes power to the batteries that need it the most for maximum efficiency. The new charge from PowerPole. Power where you need it, power how you need it, power when you need it. Kurt, quite possibly the most interesting information, cutting edge information, I think in 392 episodes, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that was like one of those Dos Equis commercials, like the most interesting man in the world. That's right. That's right. <laughs> or or uh, the EF Hutton. When, when Kenta talks, people listen. That's know, right. I, I kind of view it as, uh, you know, my quote mantra would be, I don't normally catch fish, but when I do, I listen to Kenta. So, <laughs> man, that was I really feel like, you know, something a little bit groundbreaking, uh, not only here at Bass Edge, but man, I, I just got some butterflies on what we're doing in the fishing community and kind of enlightening people. And thanks to Kenta for that. I mean, he obviously you know, not native English speaker did a wonderful job in really dialing in what 
you know, about these techniques, what makes them effective and how he use, likes to utilize them. Some of them he utilizes more than others, but obviously he's a power fisherman. That's right. You know, talking about throwing uh, the bigger line, the bait casting, and, you know, you, you could tell he would get very emphatic about certain things. And, and also, it's not lost on you and I, but I, I certainly want Bass Edge Nation to, to also know. It's, it's a very intimidating process, right? I think he said this was the only the second audio interview that he's ever done. And right. I just think he did a fantastic job with his English and with pausing and really articulating and helping us better understand why he is so successful. It was great, man. I, I hope the listeners really appreciate what Kenta brought to the show. I know that I do. I learned a ton. I learned as much in this episode of Bass Edge as, as I have in many episodes in the past. So it, it's it's always fun to talk to new anglers, but uh, man, uh, just, just great stuff. Also, don't want to forget our showcase segment with the Future Cast Academy uh, up there in, in your neck of the woods, Aaron. Yeah, I mean, you know, certainly it's an understatement. Chad Morgan Taylor, Brian Snowden, Dave Mansu, I mean, all very good friends, very close friends of the project. It's a compliment. I kind of see it like salt and pepper. Kurt, with your kids camp. <laughs> sure. But, uh, but again, you know, it's just another opportunity for, for people to get out to increase their knowledge and, and have some fun and get it kind of engrossed in the outdoors, if you will. But, you know, what a great show. We've got more shows coming up. Episode 394 on February 15th. I can't wait to see what's in store there. And it's, it's going to be a fun year, Kurt. I know that uh, there's a lot of uh, new stuff that will be coming out, not only with Bass Edge, but certainly just across the industry. And uh, before I shut down, any any closing thoughts that you have? Man, uh, just excited to get this tournament season kicked off. Lake Havasu is going to be a blast. All the other events starting this first half of February going to be fun to watch so uh let's go man bass fishing's fired up and so are we here at bass edge radio absolutely stay on all things bass edge through our social media you're going to notice some huge changes there so that's kind of fun to see and uh certainly go to bassedge.com and be sure visit our partners let them know that you appreciate their support because we certainly know that you have many choices when spending your time and thank you for spending it right here with kurt and i on bass edge radio for kurt dove i am aaron martin so long everybody is presented by MegaWare KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com and be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Midway USA, Mercury Marine, PowerPole, and Transport Graphics.